Hello, universe. How you doing? Uh, it's Friday. I ain't got no job. Ain't got nothing to do. Wait, is that how it goes? <clears throat> it has been a long time since I watched the movie Friday. Do not hold me to any sort of standard when recollecting a movie from... Boy, is that 30 years old now? It's gotta be. Time is a strange thing. Obviously, everyone listening knows that. <clears throat> the reality of where we end up versus the expectation of where we're going is a constant dramatic arc that I believe, in some ways, makes life worth living. There's always a surprise in some way, shape, or form that works to our advantage that we didn't see coming, that makes us feel tended to, looked after, appreciated. If you're willing to see the world in a way that <clears throat> you feel you've got allies, well, it's amazing how many allies start to appear in the world around you. And I've been really uh, working on the... <clears throat> Uh, cracking the click that is the comedic uh, cluster here in Denver is not challenging. These are socially um, needy people, if I can put it that way. And I'm not being uh, dismissive. I'm socially needy myself. Um, what I mean here is these are people looking to make connections. They aren't, um, they aren't anything but available to great conversation, great interaction, great whatever. Um, even mediocre conversation, mediocre interaction, mediocre whatever. When you're socially needy, sometimes mediocre is all you can get. And I say this because in my course of my life, I've been in several levels of social circles, from informal to formal. And one of the things that I'm always fascinated by are the mechanisms of the subcultural standard that exists. Like, among comedians, if you're fucking funny, everything else about you can be awful. And you'll fit in. That is a strange dynamic. Now, I think in this, in very much the same way, if you are among the best in the world at racquetball, well, the premier racquetball player among them can be a complete dick in every other way and still be accepted in that social circle. And I don't know that this is even that interesting, that these dynamics are humming <clears throat> among these subset, <clears throat> these subset groups of self-identification, people willing to go up on stage on open mic night, night after night after night after night, the same fucking material. Well, there's a camaraderie among them that is thick. And what they are uniquely tied to between them, the tie between them that is unique, as far as I can tell, 
is calling, destiny, purpose. They have to go on stage. They wouldn't know how to live if they weren't exposing the world to themselves. And I don't know, exposing is a weird word because I don't in any overtone imply sexuality here. I imply mental exposure. I imply working through the insanity of your current existence on a public stage with feedback from the harshest critics you could possibly have stepped up to stand in front of, other than perhaps your own nuclear family. And if you're willing to endure this night after night after night, I don't care how pedestrian your true mental effort and insightful presentation becomes, you're still accepted. Because endurance, purpose, destiny, a calling, all that shit, it's alive. It's alive and it is thriving in the subculture. And they are so bound to each other because of it that I either have to go all in and be willing to accept this subgroup as my next social clique or I have to remain on the periphery and cheer them from afar as something other than an aspiring stand-up comic. And I realized this last night while I was at the open mic sitting next to a woman I've seen perform a few times who's relatively funny. And yet, I think in many ways her um, her material is based on the emergence of her real self and the denial that she has been in or that society has has ceilinged her with um, as she breaks through that ceiling and comes to a realization of who she really is or at least accepting enough of that self to present it to the world. Well, this is the kind of journey that I would have been on had I been on that stage at her point in time. So it's very relatable. But it's also very other than what I'm there to do. And trying to present a vulnerability while also having a message of you shouldn't be so vulnerable is the only way that I get listened to. Because you can't go into this room brimming with support and get accepted. It's oddly reactive to that energy. Why are you supporting me? No one supports me. Is essentially the energy that's received as you try to tell these people how much worth they have. It's... Um, and and so then, as I as I think about the lives that lead to the point that you feel compelled to be on stage and say this about that, well, something either innate or from outside determined that you were 
destined for that point in time to converse with the world on your terms. And it's a very... It's, it's both powerful and vulnerable at the same time. I don't, I don't live very many moments that I feel are dichotomous to the extreme that that participation on stage in this room presents. You have all of the possibility in front of you to both completely expose yourself or to take this room of people somewhere they want to go that they don't even know about yet. That dichotomy is wildly available. And I have only seen one, maybe two, who truly take that room someplace they didn't know they wanted to go. And so as I try to figure out how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to pull these threads from within this this sense of self-loathing that permeates almost all of it. How I'm going to flip that into a sense of embrace. Well, I've got some ideas, but I got to tell you, this is the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life. I'm so unmoored here in terms of what I'm truly capable of achieving I don't even know what a reasonable goal looks like. But I know that I, I have found a broken subset that's ready for healing. And I know that this is the, the way to start to present a better world. is to take something functional and make it better. And then take what that is and make it phenomenal. And recover our motivation for seeing the world as a a place that we're integrated thoroughly in its betterment collectively. And I'm telling this little subgroup of people who are here to make us laugh, who think they have a calling, a destiny, a purpose to get in front of the world with an energy that is, I can make your day better. I can make those thoughts that are broken feel less oppressive. I can give you a smile on a day when you most need it. Those people are the warriors that believe no matter what, it can get better. And I'm here to prove it, even if I do it through self-deprecating and self-loathing sense of comedy that is, well, another reason that I don't get laid is because of blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Uh, so let's move on to something better, which is there have been some remarkably good amateur comedians the last two open mics and two open mics ago, ago I'm still thinking about this one woman's, uh, interplay with the audience. I mean, she was just, she had to have, the routine had to have been foundationally there. Like she must've used these things before. Because she was just so clever in her transitional work. It was it was polished, is how I'll put it. And if it was ad-libbed, it was phenomenal. So, um, what I had seen as a standard of uh, drop drawer 
pathetic level, uh, did you even uh, forget that I was on the list kind of comedy, has stepped up its game. Now, last night there was a lot of that. Not, not exclusively that. There was some also uh, refreshing talent on board last night. But it, it, it was in all of this week's experiences that I've come to see that I either have to go all in or remain somewhat <laughs> Uncle John on the side of the road, occasionally dropping through town to say, you guys are all great. Don't forget that. The world needs you. I'll be doing other things, but you keep up what you're doing and do it well. Um, I know that makes me sound so self-important, like I even fucking matter like that. But in a, in a world where so little of that messaging is coming through, and in an audience that needs that messaging as drastically as this one, I do get to sound a little self-righteous and important because this is such an easy need to fill. It's just obvious that it can be done. So, how I will end up uh, conveying all this? Well, I don't think anybody listening would even care. But that's what I'm going to tell you in the next couple of weeks. Because really, by the end of July, I'll have either uh, found my voice here, or I'll have to move on to another venture. Because after three months of working through what I've done on stage, so far, all I can say is, I've done nothing consistent. I've done things that are fu- that are funny. I've done things that are uplifting. I've done things that are um, hmm, revealing, personally connecting, um, but nothing consistent. And so now that I feel like I know what my consistent message should be, well, it's time to present. And that'll start Tuesday night at the Tavern on 26th, the place I like the best. I was going to start it last night, but... I just wasn't ready enough. I wasn't polished enough with the message um, to present it after I saw some of the people's performances. So, fortunately, that won't be an issue next week. Um, and, all right. I'm going to take a pause because I haven't smoked it nearly enough weed. Plus, I burned myself somehow on my arm. That looks like it's painful. So, I'm going to put some aloe on that. And then I'm going to talk to you about, uh, well, philosophy, unfortunately. But I promise it'll be interesting. Pause. Okay. <clears throat> so I know I said I'd get philosophical. And I suppose the fact that I'm sitting outside in the garden center at Home Depot, unable to cross into the interior and talk to the manager about getting paid again. Oh, what am I going to do? That music is awful. And frankly, I can't remember ever hearing this song when I was here before, so... Perhaps it's an omen to get the fuck out while I still have my sanity. Or, it's... (laughs) Did I need the siren as a point of emphasis? I don't think so. I'm literally sweating my ass off in the 90-degree humid sun because I refuse to go into the air conditioning and deal with my financial straits, which are becoming dire. Right, Mark Knopfler? Okay, that's enough rock and roll jokery. I uh, just wanted to say hi. More coming later. Oh, and probably I'll get to that philosophy. (coughs) Whoops. Didn't mean to start with that. 
I mean, <coughs> all right, <coughs> that's enough. I told you we were going to get philosophical, and it's now Monday, the 10th of July, because I've been getting so rabbit holy on my topic of philosophical conundrum that it's taken me this long to feel like maybe I'm ready to hit record now. And thus, the copious amounts of bong hits before I hit record and why I coughed in your face. I'm leaving it there because, frankly, I'm still all over the place when it comes to what exactly is a man in 21st century American culture? Where and how has today's shifting sense of gender and accountability for roles and responsibilities in 21st century cultural paradigm, where does the male, specifically, where does the heterosexual average white dude fit? What are they up to that makes their life feel fulfilling? How is it that they are getting their sense of mission accomplished? And if that's not happening, why the fuck not? And so, I, I say this as the quintessential example of somebody who is failing. And I don't think I'm failing. This is, of course, the expectation that will be laid upon me from afar. And <clears throat> I'm okay with that. I used to not be. I used to try to live up to other people's expectations and try to fulfill what would look right according to the current situation <clears throat> as described by those who, for whatever reason, felt it was their charge to describe these things to me. Yes, I would do what I could to try to be your good little puppy. You told me to sit, I would sit. I would sit there until you told me to do something else. Because I would only do what I was told. And as a white male with every opportunity in front of me, I figured the more I just did what was expected of me, the more sooner or later fulfillment would emerge from within. Because I thought, it's not that I felt broken but I had no sense of how to feel fulfilled by my own actions taken in a world filled with possibility as those actions then reflected back upon me a sense of accomplishment or um, progress that my identity would build accordingly. But by just doing what I was told... Well, then I was never really demanding of myself that which would fulfill myself. I don't even know that I ever knew what that was. And when you start to get advice like, well, if you really want to 
be something in the world. Just do what your inner voice demands of you and listen to that which pushes you from within. Well, I used to even complain to some of my super accelerated go-get-the-world friends that while I thought I had all the tools to go get the world, I had no direction on which to set sail. None of it looked preferable. Nor did any of it look negligible. Well, I mean, I figured I didn't want to spend my life in prison. But ironic that I would spend most of my life throwing myself in the very jeopardy of that. But no, 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 let's not even worry about that. That's not the point of what what makes your identity as a male in American society, what, what creates the resonance of your life's purpose or actions or the unfolding therein, how do you bring that into a meaningful male existence? Well, one way that I definitely failed as culture would look at me, is by not having kids that I know of. Which I think shouldn't be written off so easily as a joke because I'm starting to believe that's one of the core reasons that men today feel no fulfillment. Not that they're not having kids, but that we have gotten to a point where men can see themselves as strictly semen donors in a world full of women achievement. And I never felt this way. But I know that the men coming up today do. And that is a dangerous reality that's emerged again during my lifetime and which I kind of have to take responsibility for. I didn't understand that the infantilization, in other words, creating a vibration in which men could almost exist as infants, myself included, that's exactly where I've been. I didn't understand that this playground of simplicity was turning us into negligible fucking morons. And by negligible, I mean not important in the grander scheme of things, but we will take your semen. We've kind of put ourselves here. And if there's anything for which it's all my fault, this is my major... Uh Uh-oh. I didn't know that was going to happen. I'm so fucking sorry. And... So, how did, how did it occur, right? What, what turned 21st century born men into the pussies that they are? And I'll even go, if you were born from 1990 through 2010, well, you're a pussy if you're a dude. And <clears throat> I truly believe everyone born before 1990 is also a pussy. They're just a pussy of a different category. And I am a self-described feminist who 
is about to take off that description. Because what I've always argued as my point of view concerning feminism is until I feel women are given as much clout, authority, bargaining power, however you want to describe it, the cultural cachet that it is to be able to say, we're going to do it like this. Well, to me, those have always been dominated, if not almost exclusively available to men. But what I hadn't realized is that I was strictly confining that to the public sphere. I was looking at influence in one and one lens only. The influence that it is publicly to have some sort of direct A to B say in what others are up to. Where I wasn't considering the influence is in the home. Where, frankly, women have almost exclusive reign, if not exclusive reign. Because the home is their creation. They are the domesticators. And frankly, we all resonate with our image of our mothers because of our connection to the home they create for us, male or female. We all think of our mothers as the caretakers, not our fathers. Now, we, a lot of us have caretaking fathers, too. I'm not trying to neglect what fathers bring to the table. It's very important, but it's different. And I think this is where I fucked up. I didn't understand that as much as men bluster and take the public sphere as their own, which has its own completely different set of concerns now for me, than the dissolving of the family structure that is taking away the power that women have had in the male-female dynamic over all time. I didn't even think about the fact that what goes on in the home has been the trusted maternal zone and even was in my childhood. That's what's broken down. By turning women into men, we took away the one thing women were gifting us, the home. And I never understood how important that was. And so obviously now, childless, never having been married, never having been engaged, but having dated until 42, 3, 4, somewhere in there, I had a girlfriend at all times because I was so broken without somebody right there telling me they love me. I didn't know how to love myself. So that was a necessity. I was, <clears throat> I was lucky to have met as many <laughs> kind and giving women as I did because without their generosity, I don't know that I make it this far. And, and this is what really has me verklempt. The idea that what, what I'm 
what I went through to get to this point was in a society that I knew was reflecting something I couldn't be, but at the very least was reflecting an image that meant others must be fulfilling their lives. Oop, hang on, I'm about to go through another coughing fit. Ah, pause! You know, the mistake I made there was not going to the default beverage option of choice. Sandy, a sweet watermelon soda. Mm. When I had to cough. So, since there's only one sponsor for this show, and that is whatever I determine it is during any given episode. Um, today's sponsor, Watermelon Sweet Sandia Soda from the Kroger Marketplace, says, you don't have to cough when you take a sip. You're all back to good. No, it doesn't. And it's not a sponsor, so don't listen to any of that. That was just me going sideways for a minute, because here I go, having to be vulnerable again and tell you that if... I'm living a life that just feels broken, but the rest of the society is in a position to fulfill their purpose and destiny. That's fine with me. Like, and that's essentially what I'd come up with. I knew that I wasn't going to be a good husband. I, I didn't, I didn't love myself. I didn't understand that I didn't love myself, first of all. Okay, maybe we should go back to that point. <clears throat> the 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 greatest lie I guess I told myself is that of course I love myself. Just like I would say I love you to other people, other than my nuclear family who I have always loved. But did I love Cameron Guerin? No, I did not. But I must have told her in millions of ways that I did. And. I just say, no, I did not, because the person that I am now knows I will, blah, nope, um, and the person that I was then needed to feel loved by somebody who had an artistic soul. So, yes, I did love her then, because as far as I knew what love was, she had everything in my emotional compartment capitalized, monopolized, it was all hers. But it was like handing somebody a bunch of broken nails. Here, have a thousand nails that can never be used for their intended purpose. Here's all my emotional availability, none of which is validated through the sense of love for myself. And I did this through all of my relationships. So, <clears throat> when that is where you are, you still can't understand that you don't love yourself, even if you hate everything you're doing in the world around you. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, because you can't conceive of a reality that exists where you don't love yourself, even if you're in one. Until you do love yourself and can look back on, oh my God, didn't know. I didn't know. Well, see, that to me makes it the biggest lie you can tell yourself. Because I told myself that lie and believed it until seven, eight years ago. I'm 54. So, 
if it takes you 45 years to finally understand you don't love yourself. In fact, you hate yourself because you keep doing things according to what other people tell you will be, be satisfying and it's not working. Well, I feel like the men of the 21st century are in that dilemma entirely. And I can see why. Because I think I was the first one to come through. Well, no, not the first one to come through. Of the, of the variety that exists today, I believe I share a kinship at a fundamental level. And that is that the structure of 2.3 kids, a wife at home, two station wagons in the garage, and vacations to Disneyland every year, not only doesn't fit, but it's no longer available. It doesn't exist. And I think I knew in my head, or in my heart, I actually think I knew in my heart, that it was dissolving in real time in front of me. And so even if I had chased down the perfect version of that, at this point it's threatened. And at this point I realized that no matter who I could have found in my 20s, I'm so different now that we're through. Because Cameron Guerin's a wonderful person. But no fucking way could I still be with her. And so, how do men today, with a feeling inside of vibrational discordance, find purpose? Well, you got to stop listening to anything the real world is telling you. None of that fucking matters. <clears throat> You have to start doing things according to what's inside you, and you have to start living up to all of your word. If you want to find your own nobility, it exists by answering the calls that are simple. Mine were, be kind, be forgiving, and be understanding. And what I say I will do, I do. I don't speak words in a capacity to generate fulfillment for others unless I am going to be there to fulfill those words. I no longer give a shit what anybody thinks about what I say because I say things I know I can stand up to. And because I have my integrity back, because I believe in myself, I can see what loving myself looks like. I'm not sure I even love myself today because I still haven't had enough of an influence around the world to feel a resonance back that I'm making a difference. To me, a fulfilling life will have to make a difference. And I'm starting to harmonize those realities, but I'm still very fearful of attacking and failing. I'm still taking it too hmm, easy on myself. I'm putting myself in situations where I know I'm going to most likely win. There is potential for loss, so I'm at least a little challenged. But until I'm really challenged, I know I won't be making a real difference. So I'm earning my way into a more robust sense of what I can do. 
and I'm doing so in smaller chunks this time because if I ever have tried something where I want to, I can see where, where I want to be, so I want to jump there without earning it, I have found myself landing on that square and then overwhelmed by the fact that it's a completely different game than I thought it was going to be. So this time, I figure if you start in the mailroom, well, by the time you're CEO, you figured it out. And life isn't purposeful for anybody but you in the way it's going to work out for you. That could very easily be 2.3 kids, two station wagons, two vacations a year to Disneyland, and a wife at home who makes you dinner when you arrive. It could literally be that. But it probably isn't. And whatever it is, is yours. Alone. To develop and expose for the rest of us to say, wow, look at that guy. Look what he's up to. That's what we're all here for. It's not so that somebody recognizes you. It's so that you recognize a difference you're making for the world. Wow. Trying to hold back emotion. This stuff. Just when I see the limitations that others put on themselves. Well, it brings back the idea that I just didn't know. I really, I didn't know. I listen to everybody, everybody else. And it all ends up at, at the best hollow and vacated of any real purpose. Every accolade you receive from outside is meaningless. It's just window dressing on a world that isn't even necessarily real. Because the only one that you fundamentally understand as being who you are comes from within. So, as a man who, from within, was just tortured by a constant barrage of emotional influence, well, I just shut all that down. I mean, the one thing men are taught is to not be emotional. And yet it's okay to be uh, uh, fiery or passionate or blustery or all kinds of male dumb, but be, be thoughtful, be considerate, <sighs> be willing. <sighs> To see 
uh, a place where you're not the most important thing in the room. Well, if that's what you're made up of, and you're wearing a male skin suit in America, you're going to have tough, a tough time deciding and finding fulfillment because all the cues are against you. But what will emerge is a strength, a purpose that is so unshakable that you start to you start to see how other people's foundations are built on lies and 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 misinformation. Having stripped myself down to fundamentals means I'm without any any stones laid that I'm not aware of how they got laid. And I just did not have a good joke for getting laid right there. That's pathetic. That is, I will say, the downside of, of a life of celibacy, a life, I haven't had a life of celibacy. <laughs> I've had a few years of celibacy. Choosing not to have sex puts you in a place that's uniquely incapable of making a get laid joke. That is territory that I should be dominating. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't come up with anything there. All right, but the point is, Yes, I'm simpler today than I was when I was seven years old. I just refuse to live in a way that's complex. And part of that was celibacy. And now that I'm actually engaging with women who are potentially breaking that down, it's, it's again, small, tiny steps. I'm not even interested in a sexual relationship with somebody. But I am interested in developing friendships again with women I'm attracted to. And having those opportunities now, I am building very intentionally tiny steps in those directions. And expecting nothing. Expecting myself to become more comfortable with the idea that maybe I can be a worthwhile boyfriend. I always knew I was good in the moment, but I also always knew I was going to cheat on you. So, how good a boyfriend was I ever going to be? And that cop-out, I always knew I'd be a good dad, just a shitty husband, was real enough to me that I understood that you don't get to say that. Because a shitty dad is somebody who's shitty to his wife. Period. So if I was going into the equation knowing that was part of the deal, well then the idea that I was delusional enough to think that I'd be a good dad, yeah, whatever. Somewhere in my subconscious I was at least truthful enough to realize that that wasn't going to happen. So when I sit here purposefully and filled with destiny in a life that includes having never been married, never having kids, and being celibate for the last four plus years and telling you that I know I'm living the life I'm supposed to be living well that can sound like a whole lot of horseshit 
And I kind of wish it was. I wish this felt somehow like it could be false. But it's so fundamentally true, like I'm vibrating from within as I say it. I can't deny what is absolutely clearly true to me. Now, is my reality all fucked up? Maybe. Maybe the next planet I land on, shit will be different, and I'll be the guy that fits in because I decide to get married for 75% of my life. But on this planet, no, that was never going to be right. And so when I sit here and look back on my life, I look back on a life that almost got totally fucked up. But every time I sat on the edge leaning over to see how far the fall was, somebody or something, or in some cases, even me, pulled back. Because I needed to get to this point to love myself. Everything else was just a trap. Everything else was waiting for me to fall into it, develop an identity that I would later collapse. But I earned what it is to be a man in the 21st century because I didn't fit into any of it. So, men in the 21st century are not listening to anybody else tell them what's going to make them fulfilled. Me included. I don't fucking know. But you do. And if you're not willing to love yourself enough to listen to all the chaos and nonsense around you and say, I'm going to do something about it, well, maybe you're not a man.